Sign up to The Economist for in-depth curated expert analysis of world events and topics ranging from business and culture to science and technology. You'll get the weekly digital edition, online-only articles, curated newsletters on politics, the markets, science, culture and China, and full access to The Economist Podcast Plus. The Economist is independent journalism for independent thinking. Go to economist.com and get your first month free. Welcome to San Francisco City Insider, the San Francisco Chronicle podcast on the people and politics making headlines in the city by the bay. I'm Chronicle columnist Heather Knight. I'm back for more with Dr. Andre Campbell, who in the previous episode laid out what we need to know about the coronavirus. On today's episode, Dr. Campbell talks about how every 15 hours, someone arrives at San Francisco General Hospital after sustaining a serious injury in a traffic collision. And also, he talks about why he's frustrated by never-ending gun violence and the country's inability to address it. Dr. Campbell, welcome back to part two of the podcast. <laughs> uh, thank you for having me, um, Heather. I really appreciate being here. Well, you have so much information, we couldn't contain it to one episode. So um, I well, also... <laughs> I'm, I'm just honored that I could have two episodes. <laughs> <laughs> the first time in history of San Francisco City Insight. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> thank you. Well, I've been writing a lot about um, traffic fatalities. Yes. Uh, especially pedestrians. Um, last year, San Francisco saw 29 people killed in traffic collisions, and the number would be a lot higher if you and your teammates at SF General weren't saving so many people who come in. Um, I understand that every 15 hours, somebody comes to San Francisco General Hospital after having been hit by a car or a bus or something else in traffic. Um, what is it like to treat so many of those patients just one after another after another? So it is pretty common uh, for us to treat what's called pedestrian versus motor vehicle accidents, uh, bike versus motor vehicle accidents, uh, all those kind of things. Now, the, the thing that's growing that's gone up really high is the scooter versus car accidents. Mm. The scooters, which are everywhere, are now – the injuries have gone up about 300% over the last three years. Wow. One of my uh, – good friends and researchers that I know, Dr. Ben Bryant, just published a paper looking at the tremendous uptick in injuries related to that. So it's not just bikes, it's not just people walking in the street, it's people on these scooters and motorcycles that mm -hmm. come in that have it. So it's, it is difficult, but we have a great team of doctors. We have paramedics who bring the patients in who are part of the ambulance service in San Francisco. They really do a great job stabilizing people, bringing them in. Once they come in, then a group of us from both the trauma team, emergency department, anesthesia, ther respiratory therapists, and nursing uh, help get them through the ED, operating room, uh, CT scanner, and the ICU if they need it mm -hmm. uh, in order to make sure that we can basically save their life. So it's really a dedicated group of professionals uh, who are there that work with all of us to make sure that everybody gets a chance, their best chance uh, to survive after they've had a significant accident mm -hmm. like that. What are the most common injuries that you see from traffic collisions? So it depends on if you're in the car or not. So if you're that makes sense. if you're walking across the street, um, it's usually you get injured in your lower leg. Uh, so basically, the car hits you, the bumper hits your leg. You get thrown up onto the, the hood of the car. Uh, you may or may not strike your head. Uh, you basically break ribs also on the top of the car. And then basically as you fall off the car, you can either strike your head or break other extremities also. So there's a pattern of injuries that go to when you get hit by the car. Likewise, if you're, if you're on a scooter, it's more common to have orthopedic injuries. 
but you can also have head injuries. But head injuries are the things that we really worry about. And that's why when you're on a bike and you get hit, we want to make sure that you have a helmet on. Mm -hmm. If you're on a motorcycle, you have to have a real helmet, not just a beanie helmet. Right. Those beanie helmets or helmets that go along half their head mm -hmm. uh, are not the best way to protect your, your brain because you want to make sure you do not have a head injury after because the head injuries are things that we struggle with the most because once the brain is injured, uh, we do a great job to try to save because you're a dedicated group of neurosurgeons who work with us. So the, the trauma center is a multidisciplinary team that has a team of not only folks who see them in the emergency department, but when we go upstairs, there's neurosurgeons, there's orthopedic doctors, there's trauma surgeons. There's a bunch of us who basically care for all the injuries. So we basically work hand in hand with each other to make sure people do the best that they can mm -hmm. to survive. Do you find um, that they tend to fully recover, or are they permanently injured for life most often after it being hit? It depends on how severe the injuries are. Mm -hmm. I mean, those are, I was just talking about the pedestrian and bikes and so forth, but if you're in a car, the pattern of injury is a little bit different. Mm -hmm. depends if there's intrusion. depends on if you have your seatbelt on. Mm -hmm. Riding in a car with a seatbelt is really essential. Um, that is against the law now, so you have to make sure you protect yourself because you are much safer if you're not thrown out of the car mm -hmm. when an accident happens uh, with that. So we could save as we can. So uh, we're getting better saving people, but we can't save everybody. And that's yeah. really the hardest part mm -hmm. of that. It really all depends on what happens before they get to us mm -hmm. and whether that we can save them. But we've gotten way better than we've had even five, ten years ago. We're taking care of people who have severe head injuries and other types of injuries too. Mm -hmm. And after seeing so many victims of traffic collisions, do you have any thoughts on what would help reduce the number in San Francisco? Because we were getting better and then it shot back up again last year. I think some of the things that have been done, you know, you know this Vision Zero plan where they want to have zero traffic fatalities uh, in the next few years. So there, there's a lot of different things going. I think these countdown lights are very important. Mm -hmm. uh, that So it gives people time to get across the street. That started think initiative by Mabel Tang many, many years ago. Mm -hmm. She was kind of the one who led the way with that. The first time I saw it, I was in Canada and I saw the countdown lights. I said, that's a great idea. Yeah. And now they're all over San Francisco. So that's one thing to mitigate stuff. People looking out when, they, when they're driving. Mm -hmm. You know, we're, we're so distracted with phones. We're on the phones mm -hmm. all the time doing things. So things like less distracted driving, making sure when people walk, they don't actually look at their phone and they actually walk right. where they're going. Watch where they're going because if they can't see you, you can't see them. Mm -hmm. I mean, I learned in New York that I, when I get out in the street, I basically look in the eyes of the car, yeah. uh, person driving the car. If they don't see me, then I don't go right. because they will run you over, mm -hmm. right? Because they they're going to win. Yeah. And these things happen. It happens all the time. Mm -hmm. I mean, it really is quite tragic. People crossing the street, somebody makes the curb, makes the turn, and they, they end up hurting them, which is just a terrible thing to happen. Mm -hmm. You're also renowned for treating homicide victims and people who've been shot. Um, unlike traffic collisions, those numbers have actually dropped significantly in San Francisco. And in 2019, there were 41 homicides, a 56-year low. Is there that much less violent crime, or are you just getting even better at saving those victims? Well, I just want to say that thank you for saying that I'm renowned. I'm <laughs> not, I'll tell everybody in my family that I'm <laughs> renowned. I, I'm not sure if they quite know that, but I appreciate that. Thank you. Uh, so... We, the good thing is when I first got here in the 1990s, we had 150 murders in San Francisco. And over the years, that number has gone down. Mm -hmm. uh, when I was in New York, there were 2,800 murders. Now that number is 300. So there's big cities. Some of them, we've actually gotten really good. New York, Los Angeles, 
San Francisco, Oakland. Uh, we've gotten better where Chicago, we still have a problem, Philadelphia, Baltimore, not to call those places out, but they still have mm-hmm. problems that in terms of large numbers of people uh, getting killed by homicide. So it is a very complex problem mm-hmm. that involves opportunity, involves the cycle of violence in the community, trying to break that cycle. Um, and it's really something that is quite complicated. So I think we just say that that 40 is still too much. Mm-hmm. 150 was too much uh, because they are broken families. And right. I go into rooms and I talk to the families. I tell them that their loved one has died. This is some of the hardest things that I have to do as part of my job. Mm-hmm. When you walk in a room and you know that no matter what you say, that you're going to ruin somebody's life by telling them that their loved one is has died is really just a, one of the hardest things that I have to do. Mm-hmm. Even though I'm, I guess I'm an OG of trauma now, right? Because yeah. I've been doing this for a long time. Um, it still is quite tragic when somebody dies. Mm-hmm. Uh, and going there and talk to the family, interacting with them, making sure they're comforted is really still hard no matter how long you've done it. And every time you go in there, you have to feel that. If you don't feel it, then that means you're in the wrong business because right. it is just an god-awful tragedy mm-hmm. no matter what age, the young or old or, or what have you. Mm-hmm. And I know that when I get when my trauma beeper goes off and I get a trauma notification and that it is someone who's been shot, I know that there's probably an 80% chance that the person is black or brown even though black or black patients are six uh, black people are six percent of five percent of the population in san francisco uh they're by and large the large number of people who get who get shot in san francisco right now we still have other things we have stabbings or beatings we, we have all kinds of other things that you don't really hear about mm-hmm. right that happens every day mm-hmm. uh at the hospital uh because they're that's just things that happen in big cities like san francisco right new york and so forth You've been outspoken about gun violence in the past, particularly after the 2018 mass shooting at YouTube headquarters in San Bruno. Do you think we're making any progress on the issue, or is it getting lost amidst so much other horrible stuff going on these days? So I, what I said at that time after YouTube shooting is that the week before we had had this barbershop shooting, which had a lot, a lot of publicity in, in San Francisco, at least on TV, but I didn't see anybody at the hospital looking after the victims. Mm-hmm. So when I walked out there after the YouTube shooting where we had, there were four victims total, so it was a, a mass shooting, and of course, she took her own life. Um, I was just really impressed with the large number of media that came out. There was, must have been 30 people mm-hmm. there, and I was walking down the, the driveway to go and speak to the media, and it just really impressed me that there were so many people. So when I said that when last week when the poor people got shot, I didn't see you. But then when now somebody from YouTube gets shot, there's a lot of it. I think that the news media was a little bit taken aback that I said that, but I thought that was something that had to be said because right. every single shooting is a tragedy, no matter who they are, no matter what station of life they are. Mm-hmm. It's terrible that those folks were injured at YouTube and they some one got admitted, a couple went home. But nobody was there. The week before, I didn't see this huge presence. They said, well, you're going to be on CNN, MSNBC. They told me I was going to be on Fox. And I said, I don't need to be on Fox. We're not defending any Fox viewers. I don't need to be on there. But, <laughs> but, uh, but you know, I, it was something that got a lot of traction, and I ended up going viral. And that, But I think the, the main thing to say is that it was my turn of many of my partners around the country mm-hmm. to say that, we need to do things to stop the epidemic of gun violence. 
the public health approach towards gun violence is the best way to do it. Once you recognize that this is a public health problem, Mm -hmm. we need to approach it like that. Common things, common sense things like registering weapons, making sure if you have psychiatric history that you don't get a weapon, just simple things. And we, we did a survey at the American College of Surgeons, and we found that on four big issues, getting a license, testing, you know, just sort of maybe, you know, we test people for driver license. Maybe right. we should test you for shooting mm-hmm. and if you're going to have a gun. Some politicians yeah. have said doctors who've spoken out on this issue need to, quote, stay in their lane. But you feel yeah. that this is your lane since you're treating these yeah, that's people true. every day, right? I think that what happened was after – there was a – it was an interesting thing and you, that you – just so your listeners know, um, after uh, there was a shooting at the docks, um, the American College of Physicians actually came out with a position paper against gun violence. And, and someone from the NRA who was a publicist said, you guys, you guys need to stay in, our, stay in your lane. And what happened was then we started a national – movement on social media called This Is Our Lane. Mm -hmm. And we said, this is our lane. And we basically then started showing them pictures of what it's like to take care of trauma victims who basically bleed to death in our emergency departments. Mm -hmm. I said, this is our lane. And you guys need to understand this is who we talk, take care of. This is what we do. We need to make sure that the public understands that we're here and we have a voice in this too. So this was actually one of the first times that physicians have actually become outspoken and come to the, the, the forefront of this movement to sort of say we need to make some constructive change. Mm-hmm. You would think that after what happened, the Pulse nightclub shooting, Las Vegas, and each day Sutherland Hills, that there would be things that would happen. But last year, there were hundreds of mass shootings here. This year, I read something where already this year, we're three months in, and we've already had 42 mass shootings wow. in, in the United States. So the mass shootings get the most publicity, mm-hmm. but the reality is is that of the, let's say, 20,000 people are, are killed in homicides, 15 to 20,000, and then there's going to be another twice that number get uh, who die from suicides. Mm-hmm. Suicides really is the sound epidemic. Um, having a gun in your house doesn't mean that you can protect yourself. Having someone who has a weapon, unless they're well-trained, they will not be able to respond to a shooting. And that if you have a gun in your house, you're more likely to shoot your own family. So all these things are people think that, okay, I can stand up and do it. But the reality is that if you have a weapon, you need to be well-trained. You know, this this notion that a teacher can stand up and defend her kids, mm-hmm. they will, they'll protect them. And obviously in, in Sandy Hook where the 20 kids died and the six mm-hmm. teachers died trying to protect them, they will protect him and they'll die doing that. But just to, for them to pull out a gun and shoot the person, it's more likely that the kid will take the gun and shoot them. Mm-hmm. So that's that to me is not a solution. Mm-hmm. Having a well-trained person is far by far the best way to do it. If you're going to do something like that, having someone who's trained in in weaponry is the, is the best person to do it, and not someone who is who may who do not who is not trained in that area. I'll be back with Dr. Andre Campbell to talk about how he puts the horrible images he sees every day out of his mind. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer.
I'm back with Dr. Andre Campbell. And you see so many graphic, horrible things all the time on the job. How do you put that out of your mind when you leave for work and continue on with your own life? So I'd say that um, that is actually true. I do see a lot of terrible things. Um, it's sort of funny that um, it's not really funny, but the the worst things are. I mean, I do a lot of different things to kind of put space between me and what I do. I end up watching old movies that I've seen a hundred times. <laughs> you know, space whether that's out, Star Trek yeah. movies or whatever. I watch old movies that I know the words to. Mm-hmm. I was the other night I was watching Serpico, and I've seen Serpico about a hundred times, and I was just <laughs> like, okay, this is the part that that happens. This happens. Yeah, uh, gonna have to watch. I watch uh, sometimes my wife laughs at me because I'll, I'll look at Botched, right, which is this crazy show on TV where plastic surgeons try to fix <laughs> up other things. So so these are things that kind of put space between what I do yeah. and, and and me. So, and I watch the news a lot. So, I mean, I do other things. Obviously, with the presidential election going on, I've been mm-hmm. paying attention to that a lot. So the things that I'll do and the other things that I like to do, watch sports. I'm a big sports fan. Um, and then I'm also, um, I love music, so we're part of SF Jazz, so we go to SF Jazz mm-hmm. and, and see that. Um, although I think that's, you know, with the COVID-19 stuff, that's that going to change. Uh, that'll change uh, the way that that is done also. So it's it's going to be, uh, it's going to have an impact on some of the things that we do. But when the Warriors were really great, I, used to, I went to see some of the playoff games. That was, that was so exciting. Actually, I went to the finals a couple of oh, years neat. ago. Went to game two of the finals when they were playing Cleveland. I saw saw them play. This is a series that they won, and that was just amazing. I mean, just a, that was a talk about a giant party. Yeah. Cost a lot of money, but wow, it was just so much fun. I said, <laughs> I don't know if this is ever going to happen again. And I'm so happy I year. went. Because, right? <laughs> you know, they're a great team, but they're, they have the worst record in, yeah. in the pros this year. So. Well, this is a good segue to our famous lightning round. Okay. I know you live in Pacifica, so yes. you can kind of tailor your answers to uh, the peninsula or San Francisco. Yeah, but I spend most of my time okay. in San Francisco. Okay, we'll so. stick to the city. <laughs> All right. Where in San Francisco is your favorite place to get a burrito? Uh, so I would say that um, I started out going to uh, Gordo's, uh-huh. and I love Gordo's. And then uh, more recently, because it's so close to the hospital, I've been going to El Matate. So. Okay. I love, I love, although somebody just told me about another burrito place just down the block because, because I, I work in a mission and I spend really most of my working days in a mission. Uh, that's usually where I go and I eat. So, yeah. so there's some really great, great places there. But I'll say El Matate, right? All right. What is your favorite movie filmed in San Francisco? My favorite what? Movie. My favorite movie? Oh, well, it has to be Bullet. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> some of your, some of your younger viewers may not, uh, listeners may not know uh, what Bullet is, but it was just absolutely fantastic thing with a, with that chase scene is something yes. else. I mean, that is, that's, uh, it's old, old now. It's nineteen sixty eight. Yeah. The Chronicle just screened that at the Balboa Theater a couple of weeks ago. Oh, did oh. packed house. People uh, love Bullet. Oh, that's a really fun. That's a fun movie. <laughs> Where do you like to go for a stiff drink? A stiff drink. I don't. I don't even know if there's if, if I really go places to have a stiff drink. <laughs> but I will say that um, there's a place, uh, Juniors, which is across the street from the hospital. Mm-hmm. So a lot of the people from the hospital will gather there. We have celebrations. We'll have it there. So it's cool. Juniors, which is on Twenty Fourth Street. It's it's right. really close by. But I don't. It's not like I I go there regularly. I just I'll go home and have a brewski and watch the game. <laughs> right. <laughs> what was your first concert? Do you remember? My first concert. Oh, I'm gonna I'm gonna be dating myself if I tell you that. That's like, <laughs> I would say um, I went to see Donald Byrd and the Blackbirds when I was when they were in Central Park 
at a concert way back when. Oh, fun. And that was really a lot of fun. There were thousands of people. There had to be 100,000 people. Oh, wow. It was, and it was kind of in a crazy time. There was just there was a, there was a lot of nonsense going on in the crowd. I just remember <laughs> walking around and just like it just people were just going after each other. Things were happening. We were it's a whole group of us. We were just trying to walk out, but it was but the music was fantastic though. Mm-hmm. What was the last book you read? Last book, uh, last book I read. Oh my goodness. Um, um, uh, you know, the, it was. Um, I mean, there's some. I mean, there's. I mean, it's the books that I've read personally, right? I'm just trying to think of a. Um, you know, I, I, one of my favorite books is is the book about the meltdown in 2008. Uh-huh. Uh, I can't remember the author, uh, but it was it was. I mean, that's probably. I mean, that's. You know, I've kind of read it now a couple of times. I've forgotten mm-hmm. the, the. It's about the the long the big short. Okay. Yeah, I've forgotten who's Michael. Uh, forgotten his last name. Yeah. It's I know big, who you're. How yeah, you the mean, big. Yeah. It's a big short. It, that that is a uh, that was a, a really instructive book. I yeah. mean, there's other books I'm partially through and uh, kind of stuff, and I I probably should be. You know, what I, I spend a lot of my time reading medical journals. Right. And other you things. don't really want to read more. So I don't. So I, when I go on vacation, that's usually I'll, I'll read something and I'll have a list of things that I that I that I, I'm partially read through a bunch of different books. Right? <laughs> Me too. I do that. Yeah. What is something the average San Franciscan would be surprised to know about SF General? Well, I think the first thing is that we have a brand new state-of-the-art facility that cares for everybody in the city and county of San Francisco. Mm-hmm. So I think that because of Prop A in 2008, where we got a bond issue for $887 million, and then subsequently $141 million that we raised uh, through the good uh, support of people in the community, uh, we were able to now put together an over-billion-dollar state-of-the-art facility mm-hmm. that basically has wonderful facilities when the patients get there and they get into their rooms, uh, they're really astounded how nice it is. Mm-hmm. It's the, the building that we have is uh, has base isolation technology. It's built on 115 ball bearings and can move three feet in any direction. It is the safest place to be if there's a real earthquake. Mm-hmm. And each room, most of the rooms, there are single rooms, and they have a great view of the of Twin Peaks, cool. uh, the Mission, Noah Sutra Valley, Tower. downtown. Nice. Up on the roof, there's a rooftop garden uh-huh. that is just actually spectacular. So we'll go. I, when we had the total eclipse, there was about a thousand people up there looking oh, at the total cool. eclipse. With uh, so there's, it's really a great, uh, great gathering place yeah. uh, up on the roof. And so it's really a state of facility provides first, uh, first uh, class care. Uh, both trauma care is what we're focused on today, but we also have primary care for children. So mm-hmm. it's because the general hospital has 1,200 deliveries. There's all kinds of uh, people come there. It's the the only place where you have 24-7 psych emergency mm-hmm. services. Mm-hmm. Uh, we just were gifted a big grant from Kaiser uh, for addiction services mm-hmm. uh, to do things. We've been raising money through Hearts and Heroes, our foundation, uh, led by Pam Bear, Judy Gutenheim, and a number of other wonderful, wonderful people um, have been able to help us expand psych emergencies because we're, there's you have to realize that a third of our patients, so about 30% of our patients, have a medical problem or a surgical problem and they have a psychiatric diagnosis. Mm-hmm. So that means that we work hand-in-hand with our psychiatric colleagues to do things, which is really, they, are, they do a magnificent job taking care of folks. But I think uh, Dr. Martin, who just got that grant, uh, is just uh, doing, she'll do a fantastic job mm-hmm. putting that together. We've been working a lot on mitigation strategies for opiate use reduction, 
those kind of things. So uh, we're really, I think we're at the forefront. I mean, I think everybody really recognizes that we started and because we're in the forefront of the AIDS epidemic uh, in the 80s, uh, 80s, 90s, and the 2000s. Uh, but uh, now we're still in the forefront of trauma care, mm-hmm. um, addiction services, psychiatric services, uh, and all the other things that you that you look for in a, in a first-class hospital. All of us, like I am a professor who served at the University of California, San Francisco. So all the 1,200 people who work at the hospital, San Francisco General, the physicians work for UCSF. So mm-hmm. we are we work through the affiliation agreement caring for folks. So the nurses work for the city and we work for the city and county. We work for, um, they work for the city and county. We work for UC San Francisco. So because of the affiliation agreement, we work together and their physicians have been staffing the hospital for 150 years. It's mm. been a long time. Yeah. So. Um, what is your favorite depiction of a doctor in television or in the movies? <laughs> oh, there's so many. There's so many terrible depictions of folks. Oh, it's just uh, – uh, it, it was – there's so many. Um, I can tell you it's not, not like um, – oh, just, so you're talking about fictional or non-fictional? Either one. Uh, there's – um, you know, I think what I'll just say this: I, I'm a surgeon, so I, I'll say that the surgeons that I'm thinking of now all have a bad rap, right? Yeah. They all have it They're from William Hurt and other movies, and from um, you know Harrison Ford and The Fugitive. I mean, there's, there's we all kind of have a bad rap, right? In the way that we've we've uh, we're portrayed uh, on, you know, I, I used to watch a lot of. Uh, some of the things that come on um, every week, but I, it just it just drives me nuts. So what'll happen <laughs> yeah. is I would, you know, I remember when I was training, I'd watch ER, and or more recently, there's um, there's there's the the movies, the the the, 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 the weekly sitcom, the weekly dramas. But Grey's when Anatomy, I, yeah, is Grey's one. Anatomy, mm-hmm. for example. The problem with Grey's Anatomy is I started watching it, and then I started screaming at the TV because they would do the <laughs> wrong thing, and I was just like, "Who is your medical consultant?" You know, yeah. so. You know the pathologist on the CSI series. Those are they're kind of interesting because they 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 do the autopsy. They all do them the wrong way. They yeah. they do them without personal protective equipment. They, I mean all these other things that they do. Yeah. But they're they're kind of interesting. You know. So, so not too accurate. Yeah, but not too accurate. So I would say that the the docs that I've seen are not accurate. Uh, the even the, the they need to work more on on being accurate in terms of when they have when they have consultants that are. Real doctors, they actually do a much better job. Yeah. I know that they're they're working on trying to get better, but I I think I saw when I was used to watch Grey's Anatomy way back when, and when I saw that the intern pulled the person off support to try to move them up the transplant list, and then the person <laughs> died, I was just like, I just couldn't take it anymore. I just yeah. stopped watching it. I was just like, that's not real. Yeah, right? that would never happen. And I just sort of so I just said, I I'm not gonna. So that I kind of I stopped watching that a long time ago. <laughs> <laughs> Probably a smart decision. Yeah. Lastly, what is something you always make sure to squeeze into your busy day? What do I squeeze into a busy day? Well, um, I would say that um, I am a news junkie, mm-hmm. so I will always look at the news websites mm-hmm. that I rely on. So whether that's CNN, ABC, I'm totally addicted to the New York Times. Mm-hmm. I would say that the New York Times, because I grew up with the New York Times and New York, because I'm a New Yorker originally, um, I would say that I always have find time 
to read the, the New York Times. Now I do it electronically. I still get Sunday Times because yeah. there's something about having that the newspaper on Sunday, reading it, you know, feeling it, you know, so it always gets delivered. When it's late, I'm always upset. You know, right? <laughs> when it gets wet, I call yeah. them and say, my paper is wet, <laughs> right? So, so, but I used to get, uh, when I first moved out here, we used to get it every day. And it would come at midnight, and I used to stay up, and I used to drink coffee at midnight. Oh, my gosh. And I would read That's the newspaper, hardcore. which was kind of nuts. Yeah, but I was just <laughs> – because I kind of grew up with it. I yeah. mean, it was kind of – that was one of the things that I I grew up with. And I just kind of – I, you know, there, there's some things they don't do great, but most of the time they, they try to get it right mm-hmm. uh, with doing things. So I'd say finding times to, to keep up with the daily events. So when, yeah. I, when I go away and I'm not able to do it, when I'm traveling internationally – not able to see, you know, uh, broadcast TV. I guess I have to. I have to. Ch- I realize I have to change the way that I take in news. I'm used to just turning on the TV and watching broadcast yeah. news, but now everybody's just streaming everything, so right. nobody does it anymore. So, yeah. so I have to change the way I do things. But one of my favorite things is to read the New York Times every day. Cool. Well, I really appreciate you giving us so much time and talking about so many interesting issues. Thanks for coming. Well, thank you. It's an honor to be here, uh, Heather, and I really appreciate you spending your time interviewing me this morning and trying to share some of the information I have about San Francisco General Hospital and all the great things I get to do to save people every day at the hospital. Thank you. Well, the city appreciates your work very much. Thank, thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you to Dr. Andre Campbell for joining me today, to King Kaufman and Erica Carlos for producing this episode, and to you for listening. San Francisco City Insider is part of the San Francisco Chronicle Podcast Network. Audrey Cooper is the editor-in-chief, and Dominic Fercasa is this podcast's producer. If you like this show, please subscribe and give us a quick review wherever you get your podcasts. Have questions or tips? Email hnight at sfchronicle.com or find me on Twitter at hnightsf. Support San Francisco City Insider and a lot of great journalism with a print or digital subscription to the San Francisco Chronicle. Find out more at sfchronicle.com slash subscribe.